90% of all scientists that have ever been alive are alive today. That's a lot of information, but don't panic. It's not an exact science. Hey, Shannon, how are you doing? Great, John. Um, how are you doing this week? Oh, not too bad. Uh, just, you know, lots of exciting stuff going on. Campus is alive again, as we said. And down in our museum, we've actually had some new exhibits going in. Uh, we've had, you know, this really big, like 12-foot wide uh, topographic relief map that has the geology of Pennsylvania overlaid Ooh, on it. Oh, that's awesome. Is that your geology museum or museum or? Yeah, it's the Geoscience Museum in the basement of our building. So it's got a little bit of... Uh, geology even some meteorology in it we have one of those neat tornado simulators that people can crank up and make all kinds of fun vortices that go around since they don't have tornadoes in pennsylvania you gotta you gotta make them in the lab yeah (laughs) yeah (laughs) that's a good uh good joke from our undergrad days um (laughs) i've been spending my time in museums too in a way um here at the university of oklahoma we have a big history of science collection and this year we're celebrating galileo obviously but I just went to the library, and this exhibit is up all semester, so anyone should go to it. And they had text from Tycho Brahe and Isaac Newton and Galileo and Gilbert and magnetism. It was unbelievable, the text that our library had. Um, so that's what I spent a couple of days doing and drooling over. <laughs> I was going to say, did they have to chase you, you know, try know. to pry the Gilbert book like, from you? Get out, get out. Oh, yeah, I took like 50 pictures of that magnetism. I really wanted to be like, can you turn the page? I just want to see the next one. Can you turn the page? <laughs> so um, I think they actually are, over the course of the semester, turning a couple of pages every day so you can go in and look at something different. So I'll be back for that one. <laughs> nice, that'll be exciting. And I think we're going to actually try to do a show on that collection at some point while it's out, right? Uh, Yeah, absolutely. I'm going to try to get a hold of one of our history of science librarians and to talk about it because it was a big ordeal. They renovated a whole space in the library just to show off these collections and um, it'd be super great to talk about. Yeah. Well, we don't want to keep our special guest waiting any longer. (laughs) Today we have Keena McAllister from Stimbox joining us. Hi, how are you? Hi, I'm good. How are you? We're doing pretty great, I think. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) So, Stimbox, uh, I think we found you on Twitter, or you found us, and we thought, this is a really cool project. We have to talk to this person. Oh, thank you. (laughs) I am so excited to hear all about Stimbox. It sounds like the coolest thing ever. I wish they were around when I was there. (gasps) Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) But before we get into Stimbox and what it is, why don't you tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do? Yeah. Um, so my name is Christina McAllister. It's my full name. I don't know if that matters, but uh, I go by Kina. And I grew up in Las Vegas, Nevada, and I always liked science growing up. And so when I decided to move to Seattle to pursue my general science degree, uh, I realized that I wanted to be involved in scientific research. Uh, so I pursued that route. And so for the last two years, I've been at Fred Hutchinson Cancer Research Center And the lab I work in, um, we study gene therapies for hematopoietic diseases, which is just a fancy way of saying blood-borne diseases or blood diseases. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Not (laughs) blood-borne. The only one that's blood-borne that we study is HIV. And that's actually the project that I've been um, most heavily involved with um, since I started. So it's a um, a lot of time spent manipulating genomic material and editing it with nucleases and then putting it back into stem cells and repopulating a body with it to cure whatever disease 
or dysfunctional gene that you have. Um, so that's what I've been spending my time doing. Um, uh, but now I've started the stem box stuff and whew, that's like another thing. <laughs> so you have two full-time jobs right now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Man, I remember having to do that gel electrophoresis stuff in uh, biology in high school. Oh, it's cool, right? I think. Oh, yeah. It was super neat. Like when you have to run a hundred of them, you're like, oh, gosh, like. No. Right. <laughs> no more. The four that we did, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that was super awesome. You can find. And you have to do more than just look at it, right? <laughs> yeah. Eventually, exactly. you can find like cool ways to make it more exciting after the hundredth time by like turning it on like hyperlapse on your phone or something. Um, but that's like taping it like precariously above a box of like electric water and DNA. And that's like risking an iPhone, but it's worth it after the hundredth one. (laughs) See, I've got to put in a plug here. If you had a Samsung phone that is waterproof. Oh. (laughs) Yep. Ruin all the electrophoresis you want. If it it worked, yeah. (laughs) You know, Shannon and I both have a decent amount of experience endangering relatively expensive video equipment from our meteorology days and chasing tornadoes. Oh, tornadoes. I saw a movie called Twister growing up that scared the bejesus out of me. (laughs) That's why I live there. (laughs) So you haven't seen San Andreas yet. Is that that what you're saying? That should scare you. I don't know. You can't see my face, but it just like dropped when you said that. (laughs) Just like. Um, Well, so Twister scared you, but it actually drove a whole bunch of people into our meteorology major. And I was like the product of that generation. And there was like 300 meteorologists that started the year that I started meteorology. Oh my gosh. But we graduated 38. (laughs) That that sounds about right. (laughs) Like that's like. Yeah, there's there's a lot of math that people don't take into account (laughs) yeah oh math 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 but um i think that's a pretty big picture or good picture of who i am so that's you but what about stem box and just i guess tell us a little bit about what it is to start with yeah um so stem box is a monthly subscription box that sends science experiments to girls um In addition to the science experiments we send girls, we also produce YouTube videos that highlight a feminine or a female role model uh, working in the field related to that month's box. And this kind of, it's it's a modular concept in that the girls can take from it what they want. Um, The idea is to get science in front of them and to let them try it. Because generally when you give kids something, they, they try it or they test it and then if they like it, they'll ask for more. And then that's something that we can teach them to do is how to find out more. Um, so yeah, every box comes with the equipment they need for doing a science project or a science experiment that we send them. And fun accessories that they can keep around to remind them like, you belong in science. This is something that you enjoy and that is made for you too. And then the videos involve um, not just interviews about the subject um, that the box is based on, but what it what the woman went through to go to this, uh, to pursue this passion. So more personal Q&A as well, which I think is really important for girls to understand that the women in these roles are not unachievable or unattainable people. They are real people doing everyday things, just they have a passion in STEM. 
That <laughs> that is excellent. Um, I'm sure it sounds like you've probably researched this too, but uh, you know I've done a lot of research and just read a lot of stuff, and it seems like one of the important things for keeping girls' interest in science fields, like you're addressing that with these whole like items to keep around so they can remember that this was something that they liked. And then I love the Q&A too because mentorship is a big thing that's lacking. And you lose a lot of girls' interest in science in like middle school and high school. Mm -hmm. It's not necessarily in college, right? So like they like it when they're younger and then they, for whatever reason, get out of it. This is the coolest idea ever. Thanks. (laughs) I just love it. That seems so neat that you're doing those little things. Like how did you decide to do to include all of that into Stembox. So I was thinking, well, the idea, that, the way the idea came about was I was driving, I specifically remember where I was too, I was driving on a road in Seattle, into West Seattle, I was talking to my friend and we were, he was asking me, you know, how did you ever get into science? What were you doing when you were little? And I specifically remember these science kits that they sold at book fairs and the book fair would always put them on the boy side of things. And, you know, I always had to, like, you know, be the kid that's like, okay, I'm going to go, like, hang out at the boys' stuff and, like, take it home. But that was one part of it. And the other part of it was, like, there was a lot of stuff in science books and kits that you had to go and source for yourself. And it made it such a hassle. And kids have such a short attention span that it was just, like, (laughs) we just needed to put it all in a box in front of them and let them go. But then that wasn't enough because I was like, well, there's, like, this experiment, that experiment, DNA, bacteria, all this stuff that I want to show them. And I don't think I can do that with one big science kit that fits all. It's got it's got to be a couple boxes. And then I guess, you know, it just kind of, kind of came up that what if you did this monthly? Like what if you shipped them experiments monthly? Which seems like a tall order to like have a science experiment for every month of the year. But then when you think about it, like you could totally do that. That's totally I was it was such a, like, not to, like, you know, fan my own ego, but it was, like, such a good idea that, like, <laughs> I Googled it up and down, and I was, like, how, like, how does this not this exist not for exist. girls? Yeah. Like, this would be the thing that would tackle that, because you get the constant exposure to the science, you get the variety of science, and then I was, like, yeah, and then what if, just, like, what if those crazy ideas where you're, like, well, it would never work. And you're like, I could interview people about what their topic is. And then um, the way the videos kind of developed was just that I was playing with that what if and on a, on a, on a whim or kind of just like, what's the worst that could happen? I called, <laughs> I, our second box is owl pellets um, and dissecting them. And so, right. yeah, I called the zoo, the Woodland Park Zoo, which is um, the park in, or the zoo in Seattle. And I just you know, left them a bunch of voicemails. So I guess I tried kind of hard. But um, (laughs) I left them a bunch of voicemails and emails, and I was like, hey, pay attention to me. Like, do you mind if we do this thing? Because it's going to get lost. Like, I'm sure they get a ton of emails. But if you're persistent enough, someone will eventually respond to you and say, oh, (laughs) we looked at your thing. Sounds legit. Come on down. And I was just like, I've never done this. Like, I okay. And so... um, I have a bunch of friends who do, uh, you know, great videography work. I don't know if you've ever seen SpaceX um, or the video that's parodying it on YouTube, like SpaceX Funk You Up or something. I don't know. Or, or we're NASA and we know it. 
Um, <laughs> not to name drop, but like the guys at Cinosaurus, they didn't produce our video or anything, but I'm friends with some of the guys and they, they are like super knowledgeable about this stuff and they're really helpful about getting it started. But anyways, um, point is, is that I went to the zoo, I got to hang out with an owl and an owl keeper and talk to her and the owl as much as you can talk to an owl and like <laughs> just learn about her and this woman had the best story it was just like she used to be a cop and then she changed her mind when like after years of being a cop and said i want to be like, i want to be an animal keeper at a zoo she went to school got her zoology degree and then she's just like living the dream hanging out with wow. owls and so to me that was like oh my gosh how lucky is this like this like i shouldn't believe in fate but man fate like, it just felt so right. Um, but yeah, and that's awesome. So that's how the video is kind of like solidified when it, like that interview happened, and I was just like, okay, this is a thing that needs to happen every time we do a box. Um, yeah. So, did you have to follow the owl around to collect owl pellets? Or, <laughs> like... <laughs> oh man! Like I, I when I get my owl pellets, they're sterilized, so they're wrapped in foil and they're dry and hard. Um, but yeah. she handed me one, and I, <laughs> I was like, "What? Why is this wet?" <laughs> She's like, oh, it's fresh. It's very fresh. We found it this morning, and I was like, cool. Thank you. <laughs> just going to put this back. I like gross stuff, but, like, I just wasn't ready for it kind of thing. <laughs> oh. oh, that's excellent. Yeah, it was – she was great. And then they just, you know, when you feed owls, they eat things whole, but they'll still, like, feed them a mouse, and they'll just, like, cut it up a little bit. For It's dead already, but then they'll, like, mince it a little. And so she was walking around with, like – a minced mouse in her hand too which was kind of like oh didn't expect that <laughs> <laughs> totally normal for her yeah, yeah. exactly <laughs> so that was great yeah so that's how the the videos and the concept came together as like a cohesive project that just needed to be done all right so that's one of the experiments was you know going and talking and doing the owl pellets but what are some of the other ones that you developed is that the the first one that you tried to develop and then you went on to make the other kits? So the first one I developed was the strawberry DNA extraction. And that idea came from when I started my job at Fred Hutch. They make all of the employees, administrative, HR, even scientists, do this really basic experiment where you mash up a strawberry and extract DNA from it. And like just the excitement from every adult in the room <laughs> who is like pulling <laughs> snot out of a strawberry essentially it looks like snot um which is why it's so great because it's like such a tangible visible thing and you always think dna is this really invisible idea but you're actually holding it um that idea came from that experience and understanding just how exciting that was to even full-grown adults um and why wouldn't kids like that so mm -hmm. building that into the first box was awesome and the way i honestly um went around to try and test this idea it was like, I, I'm surprised I didn't get kicked out of any stores, but I would go to like Whole Foods. <laughs> it sounds really weird, but I have, I have some friends in the entrepreneur space in Seattle who were just like, you need to go test this like market test. And I said, well, how do I do that? And they're just like, just go hang out and talk to randos on the street. And I was like, <laughs> okay. 
So I was like standing in the chip aisle at Whole Foods and just being like, do you have a kid? Is it a girl? Like, do you do science at home? And then throwing this idea at them. And they're like, I'm just trying to buy some strawberries for you guys. I know, right? And they, I'm, that's why I'm like, I'm so surprised somebody at Whole Foods. But I was kind of crafty about it. Like I was switching aisles every now and then just like uh, move to the produce. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that's that's how the initial like idea got out there and then um so for the first box I felt like okay I've I've been sitting on this and I've been curating things for this box for so long to test it um that I had a full full built full-blown box ready to go and I was like well how did this happen now I have to try it so um we had like some sort of like Facebook following but it was really small really small I can't I cannot explain how small it was but it was small um, <laughs> it might have been, like, me and all the, like, friends that I went to high school with or something and my mom. Yep. And your parents. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm not from here, so I don't – let me also say this. Like, I'm 24. I I am nowhere near the age where people I know have kids that are old enough to be into this. So that was, like, a challenge in and of itself to find children, which is a weird thing. <laughs> But, um, yeah, so the first box was built, and the idea was just growing, and it was like, okay, I have to test this. And so I basically sourced um, from our Facebook people and people who knew people, and I said, I'm having this workshop. Um, it's like It was like $10 to show up or something. You get a box, and we hosted it at a community lab called Hive Bio in Seattle, which is an amazing nonprofit that everybody should – have in their town basically it's just a community mm-hmm. lab where people can go and do um i think you can do up to a biosafety oh, wow. level two um wow. in their lab Ooh. yeah and that's what's <laughs> yeah that's considerable and so they're an awesome organization so the girls get to experience um the authenticity of being in a real lab and like what that feels like which i think is very important so mm-hmm. we did the first workshop and we sold out in a day um which was crazy because I don't know kids again. But I guess someone at Microsoft in a parent group got a hold of it and emailed our, our link around, and then it was just gone. Um, so that's how I tested the first one, and the response was so good, and everybody was like, can we sign up again? When, are you, when can I buy your next box? And it was just asking for more, and then that's your go-ahead. To, I have to keep going and do my next box, which was Owl Pellets. Um, which I talked a little bit about, but in case it wasn't clear, owl pellets are owl vomit. Um, sorry, I shouldn't say vomit. Uh, I should say regurgitation. Um, <laughs> yep. Yep. I've been corrected by that. Yeah. Too. <laughs> um, it's just, uh, vomit just sounds so much more exciting, but. <laughs> um, so owls, they'll, they'll eat their food whole, but there's certain matter that they can't digest. So it's kind of like cats and hairballs, but they have bones in there too. And so they throw, they regurgitate <laughs> this big <laughs> ball of fur, bones, and whatever else they couldn't digest. And when you crack out, when you crack into it, you can find like really intact skeleton, not like the actual joints, but bones from the skeleton of this animal. And you can even sleuth it out like a murder mystery and say, oh, did it eat a bird? Did it eat a foal? <laughs> like, what did this eat? And That's yeah, awesome. it's really exciting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so those are the two first experiments. And then, I mean, do you have some more that you're working on developing 
uh, for down the line? Yes. Um, so there have been a lot of requests for things that are not just biological sciences because girls are really, really lacking. Um, they're, they're missing from the fields of technology and engineering and math. So science is still lacking, but um, not to the degree of those the TEM. Um, so <laughs> the third box I wanted to do was um, aerodynamics, um, aviation and aerodynamics, because in Seattle, uh, we are the home of Boeing. And to me, right. that just made a bunch of sense, which would be, and the Museum of Flight as well, um, which is a great resource down in South Seattle. But um, I also remember growing up and having these different airplane kits where you could like twist a rubber band up around the propeller and like send it off. And that would be an amazing lesson right. to teach girls. And I also felt so, growing up, I felt so inadequate when I was folding paper airplanes. <laughs> like, I don't know how anybody else felt about that, but I was just like, ugh, I know it's not oh. going to go far. <laughs> I am a one-trick pony, and I have to have tape. I'm still bad at it. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's like a life my skill. My six-year-old's, <laughs> yes, my six-year-old's way better than I am, but yeah. Yeah, and then, like, again, I just think that was, like, drawing back from my, like, emotional experience growing up as a scientist, like... I always felt really ashamed of my paper airplanes and that the boys always <laughs> could do it better. The boys, it's just like, I was like, why can the boys build such good paper airplanes? Why are they always the ones like folding them for me? And so in this small way, I think that the girls could really learn a lot about like engineering and be empowered to just, you know, I don't need a boy to fold this paper for me. I can make my own engineering designs and make it work and fly farther than everybody else's. Um, <laughs> And that's, that's the feeling I'm going for with Stumbox is just empowerment and, you know, not being, not, you can ask for help. Asking for help is fine. I, I think that's true. But I also really believe in just like having a hard problem in front of you and crying over it for a while until you just are like, okay, let's try again. And then you try it again and it works really well. Um, I think that's the most impactful emotional way to connect to something, especially in science. And especially for girls, too, that's a lot of the uh, research about it as well, is that girls, just because of the way they're treated in classes growing up, once they start to cry over it, they don't, they lose interest. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And so, like, you saying that is amazing, because that's just sort of one of those things. It's like, boys tend to get frustrated but keep trying, and girls tend to get frustrated and then are sort of steered away from that problem. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And so I really like that opportunity, you know, to say, like, these other women have tried it or, hey, you know, maybe that that one's not for you. But this one is really cool, so. Yeah, and I mean, like, even to be, like, literal crying about something when it doesn't work, I mean, that's, yeah. <laughs> that's fine. I'm an adult and I've cried at work because my PCR wouldn't work after, like, the 10th time. And I'm just like... <laughs> This is dumb. Why is it this working? <laughs> and then you but go. That's, to... that's grad school in any field. That's <laughs> oh, absolutely true. I know. So many tears. I mean, like, it just seems like a, like to have an emotional connection to something where it makes you cry because you're so like involved in it and it's not working. Like, that's a good feeling afterwards. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And to teach kids that now, I think, is really useful because I don't know. I, I just think that's a cool skill to have. Is like know that it's okay to be upset about it but then come back to it um yes and i think uh, that's lacking that lesson is lacking i think for yeah. a lot of people like the the satisfaction of looking back and seeing what you did exactly you know? yeah 
Um, so that's the third box. (laughs) (laughs) So are you, um, in these ones, so just like you said, the science, I'd never really thought about that. That is true. There's a lot of, you know, sciencey stuff, but the rest, the tech part, as I can attest to, because I'm awful with tech (laughs) and the engineering and math part. I mean, do you go outside and find people to help you design the experiments that are necessarily in your field? Exactly. Yeah. Um, that's one of the amazing things about Seattle again, is that we have such a diverse industry here of like science and research and engineering. Um, so I've had some amazing people introduce me to other amazing people and the network of people just keeps growing. So now the thing is to kind of prioritize which what's the best order for these boxes and who might be the best person to help with it um Uh, yeah so i mean there there are plans to do a box based on programming um because programming i took c plus plus in college and it felt like learning another language like (laughs) like a really really like I don't know. I don't want to insult C++, but, like, annoying language. Um, <laughs> I agree with that. Right. And so, like, if you get kids young, like, they're really malleable, and I think you can teach them, like, another language like C++ or just the most basic way to even start thinking and changing the way your brain reacts to that language. Like, that would be the goal of our computer programming box. And then, obviously, another one is, like, girls are criticized for their so-called lack of spatial reasoning, um, which to me is, like, a bunch of crap. Like, you know, (laughs) girls, it's a learned thing, and boys just learn it because their video games are more, you know, they cater to that. Uh, Exactly. Yeah, Yeah. and it's just a leaky pipeline. Like, there's nothing for girls right now that, like, teaches them how to use spatial reasoning, and it's not that they're innately worse at it. It's just that... The opportunities for it don't exist in the way they exist for boys. So a spatial reasoning box. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so there's that. Everything's two-dimensional instead of that third dimension, I feel like, that goes along with a lot of the stuff. I have, I have a six-year-old son, and so, like, I can tell the difference between the things that I had versus him. That's, And that's one of those. Yeah. You know? Like, it just seems like he's more catered towards that kind of thinking. Yeah, absolutely. And it's just, I don't know, just those opportunities, they need to be made available to girls and I think that also I I don't you guys are east coast but I've always grown up west coast and one of the things that I've always noticed um when I moved to Seattle everybody's very progressive everybody's very liberal everybody's very aware of the social agenda of what needs to happen um but sometimes when I travel and I leave Seattle I am reminded that not everybody is as up-to-date as Seattle is in terms of their social agenda um and so that's why the idea for this box too is to meet girls where they're at and their interests and not to force them or you know stuff our liberal agenda down some conservative parents throat (laughs) like that's not the point the point is to just remind people that you know there are ways to connect science to girls current interests and without dumbing it down so it doesn't need to be a makeup or a soapbox like those are just, those are fine to have, but it's, they need to have variety. Like, they need to have, like, the snotty bacteria box, too. And they have, <laughs> like, a geology. The owl vomit. Yeah, exactly. And, like, <laughs> girls love owls. Why wouldn't we love their regurgitation? Like, exactly <laughs> <laughs> oh that's so true do you have a geology box in the works i would love like maybe we should talk um <laughs> <laughs> if only you knew a geologist i know i know 
<laughs> I would love to like put like what are they? I, I'm gonna sound dumb in a second because geology is not my thing. But like geodes, <laughs> are geodes a thing? Oh yeah, yeah. they're the shiny geodes, ones, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. They're the ones, that, yeah, you crack them open. They're really ugly on the outside, and you crack them open, and yeah. they're super cool. Geodes. I would love. Like, like <laughs> oh, you have one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like something like that, or just like, I, I don't know. There's always so many different directions any box can go. I can hit. That's excellent. Yeah. Um, geology, there's so many weird things, like, you know, minerals that look black but then you scratch them on a ceramic plate which is how we identify minerals and they may be streak yellow or red or something totally different than what they look like or minerals that you look through them at light in one direction and they're brown and you look through them in another and they look green oh that's so cool and just there's all kinds of really great geology stuff and it's nice because geology is something hard to get people excited about yeah <laughs> i can totally attest to that because growing up my sister she's also a scientist she's in portland and she does like big scale science whereas i'm microscience but um she would oh, i never understood this and i still don't i feel so bad but she <laughs> would just like pack her backpack full of rocks and like everywhere and like she'd complain about her back all the time and I was just like Monica you have to stop carrying around rocks this is so embarrassing like <laughs> yeah that's my that's my childhood too Thanks, <laughs> no but Wait, I that's my that's, that's my adulthood yeah <laughs> so are you finding that like with these boxes that you're getting the parents excited about science too? Yes. I get emails pretty often from people that are just saying, you know, oh my gosh, this is amazing. How do I sign up for a full year? And like, I haven't even told you what the fourth box is, but that's fine. <laughs> um, yeah. And, and the thing is, I wish I could just, you know, like have everybody sign up now, but I want to make sure that everything that's going into this is set up properly. So I'm taking my time and just setting up our logistics and foundation so that once we start shipping in January, it's a very smooth, consistent process with the same results every month. Um, but, like, otherwise, like, yeah, um, parents are just kind of all over it, which is amazing. And it's, like, the best feeling to get an email from someone that says, like, you know, my little girl took your box home and she taught it to all the neighborhood kids and all her sister and brother. And, like, my her brother wants one now. And, like, they – one parent – after the workshop, the girls, because there was a couple of girls that were there together, they took the boxes home, and the parent told me later that they did, like, you know how kids, like, they, they play, like, fantasy roles and stuff, and they're like, I'm the teacher. Um, well, they played out, like, a scenario in which they were scientists trying to, like, oh. I know, right? Be still my nice. heart. This was so cute. Like, oh. I was squeeing at my computer. Um, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Like, I think that's the first time I've cried over Stumbox is when I read that because I was like, oh, my gosh, this is exactly what they're supposed to do with it. And they were, like, awesome. Um, so oh, awesome. Awesome. Great. It's been super exciting. Like, uh, yeah. <laughs> so are you, are you just beta testing it now with a certain number of people then? Is that how it's working right now? And then then what's the next step? Right. So the first step in every box is um, just getting the idea put together, sourcing the box, trying all the different components out myself, uh, making sure it's safe and enjoyable. Um, I think <laughs> I'm a pretty good litmus test for what's boring and what's not. Um, but uh, then we gather up a group of like 20 girls and we go to hive bio and we run the experiment um this is how we've done it for the other ones but this is the plan for the future ones is to 
rally a group of 20 girls, provide the boxes, run through a quick intro, um, explain the subject, do the experiment, and then, like, send them home with the boxes and also hear what happens, like, after the fact. Because the other thing about the boxes is that I want them to be um, reasonable as to the fullest extent of their ability to be reasonable, if that yeah. makes sense. Because, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. yeah, sometimes replicate is replication is very important in science and so that's something i wanted to include so um that's the idea is once a month we'll have a workshop to test whatever box is coming out three months down the road um so we'll always be three months ahead ideally and testing and if it's crappy and the girls are just like this is the lamest thing ever we'll have time to (laughs) (laughs) we'll have time to rework it or something but yeah i just want to make sure something girls are interested in like when they have their friends around too, but also when they go right. home to their family and they feel like they want to explain it to them. Right. That's really awesome. And so to get this whole process rolling, uh, use Kickstarter, right? Oh my gosh, Kickstarter. Yeah, Kickstarter is like a beast. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone that I've talked to that has run a Kickstarter campaign said it was the most enjoyable and soul-wrenching experience of their life. Yeah, yeah. I I have some friends who have run quite a few successful Kickstarters, so it's like, what does a bad one look like? And you get kind of nervous because you're like, oh, man, like, all my friends have had them and they've gone so well. Uh, that's a high bar. But, um, yeah, so this Kickstarter, it's like – I had been saying for months, I knew I wanted to do a Kickstarter to raise some of the money because it's a great way to get the word out. Um, And it has opened a ton of doors for us, not just financially to start building more boxes, but also to make great connections with people like you guys. Um, Even though you didn't find us on Kickstarter, but um, MTV and like, okay, so I'll just go through the quick timeline. Um, So like the first week is pretty slow. Like the day that you launch, you get like a pretty good number. I think you hit like... 10% or something, less than 10%, but a certain percentage that'll usually indicate like what your success rate will be. And then, you know, the first two weeks are fine and then there's like a lull and you're supposed to panic and then you're supposed to hit the last 48 hours (laughs) and go crazy. But I felt like ours was pretty consistent. Um, There was always pretty good press coming in, which was a really interesting thing. And most of the press that was coming in that was really, really interesting to see was that it wasn't press that we had gone out and sent a press release to. Um, so the weirdest thing, so, uh, gosh, it was such a weird experience because it wasn't normal, (laughs) even by Kickstarter standards, I think, um, during the process, like my birthday was in the middle of the Kickstarter, first of all. So I turned 23, I turned 24, um, like the second week of it. But then, um, unfortunately one of my friends from growing up passed away, um, after on my birthday, actually. So I had to take this, in the middle of this crazy Kickstarter, I had to take this emergency trip home for the memorial service and to say goodbye. Um, and that was, that was already like a big emotional deal. But then to be at home and like grieving and then getting an email from MTV that's like, hey, can we interview? <laughs> and you're like, oh my well, God, man. like, what? the heck and it's it's weird because you want to you like I want to be very like respectful and spend this time with my friends and my family and like you just don't want to talk about it and you don't want to talk about like the good things going on because you know you're not it's grieving is always a weird thing so there was that um and you know I don't know uh so anyways so 
then I came home, and then there, the MTV thing kind of just, like, went out of control, and everybody read it, and then all these other people were like, we want to write about it, which really helped. Oh, wow. Yeah, so um, I think it was a Sunday that uh, MTV has, like, 38 million Facebook followers, so they had written the article, but on that Sunday, <laughs> they put it on their Facebook page, and no one's doing anything on Sunday. People are just, like, staring at their laptops on Sunday, so... Then Upworthy, on the same day, a few hours later, put it onto their Facebook page. Oh and my Upworthy gosh. links always get attention. <laughs> and we hit our goal, like, that day, like, hours later. Oh, but here's wow. the other thing. Like, my grandpa passed away on the day that happened. <laughs> and I just, oh like, my gosh. what the heck? Like, that doesn't seem, like, I don't even want to pretend to, like, rationalize it or understand. But that's just how up and down like this whole kickstarter has been in my personal life and in like you know just from the fundraising aspect like it's always stressful to ask people for things Mm -hmm. and then to also be like having a personal life on the side in addition to a full-time job like yeah (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) welcome to adulthood i know (laughs) oh my gosh so yeah it was weird it was very weird but i was i was really grateful for all the support that people gave for, like all sides of the situations like because there were many situations um and it was great though it was such a good learning experience and i think a really big like time for emotional and personal growth uh, if that makes sense so absolutely and so your kickstarter like you said it was successfully funded and you had over 400 people sign up right yeah that was very exciting um i am i am just Honestly, like, people signed up for more than one box, too, sometimes, and I was just, like, that's awesome. I can't, like, I don't even know how to explain, like, the gratitude that I feel towards everybody who donated, even, like, a dollar. Like, just putting your name that you believe in this project on the page means a lot, in my opinion. Was it super overwhelming to see that you had that many boxes, too? get out yeah so (laughs) i'm in that point where i'm like getting ready to like order all the supplies to put together the january box and i'm just like hey i have like a one bedroom apartment in like fremont in (laughs) seattle so i'm like i don't know this is all gonna fit here um so one of my advisors offered me um like basically her garage in bellevue so i feel like i'm gonna earn my like stripes doing a garage build like all the uh-huh. other startups <laughs> exactly you got your bill gates and the story and everything i'm <laughs> very excited to build in a garage to like be totally honest like that sounds awesome yeah, i was gonna ask you you know it's always a fun experience when you're sleeping amongst the stuff that you're working on because you have no space to put any more things. Oh, man. You should see this table right now. I'm actually getting ready for a talk I'm giving in Las Vegas in a couple weeks. And, like, the table, like, the way I've been taught to devise my, like, speaking engagements is to, like, use Post-it notes and, like, rearrange Mm -hmm. everything. So my kitchen table is just, like, like nothing but post-it notes and then this laptop and then this microphone (laughs) and then like some dying flowers from the market but you know (laughs) um so but the other thing is too that's funny about that you mentioned like sleeping among the things that are your like passion project um i (laughs) 
I, like, I'm just, like, investigating different options for storage space and, you know, office space, if that's ever a thing that we do. Um, <laughs> so I talked to a broker today, and I was just like, so all I want are, like, four walls, a floor, and plumbing. <laughs> also, is it legal to live in it? <laughs> <laughs> Which it's not, but... <laughs> I mean, you know, fold away cot. I mean, yeah. Yeah, at least. No, no one will know. Just get a hose in there to shower with, and like you're good, <laughs> and a microwave, and you'll be fine. <laughs> it's for the experiments, I promise. <laughs> so right now, is it just you doing all of this? Are you are you Stimbox in its entirety? Hi. Yeah. Um. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and your unfortunate friends that won't come over anymore because <laughs> they know you're gonna make them stuff boxes. <laughs> oh, I think they they know what's coming. So, um, yep. <laughs> yeah, like, I, I've, I've been really lucky to have the, like, advising of, like, some amazing professionals in different fields, um, but, you know, all of the most, like, I, I always feel bad, like, I don't know, anyways, it is, like, I would say it's 99% me, and then, like, I get advice from my advisors, um, so I don't want to discredit anything they do. But I am the one who's like crying about stuff when it's like really hard. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and having cardboard paper cuts. Yeah. Oh nice. man. Like <laughs> just today, like I like the weeks are crazy. It's just like trying to do science and experiments during the day that are for something I really am passionate about, research and HIV, and like that's that's my like. That's my passion. So to have to kind of make a decision soon about, you know, am I pursuing, am I going to, in a way I almost feel like if I pursue STEM box, um, am I just another part of that statistic that's like women who drop out of STEM to uh, pursue education? Um, mm-hmm. And so that that's an interesting like flip side of this too. It's like, and people are like, why don't you just go part time at your job? And I'm just like, what what are you talking about like yeah. you're either in or you're out like there's no part time yeah. for science um mm-hmm. so exactly yeah there's like some weird weird uh catch 22 i think um and in, in leaving to do this but it's I, I i've thought about that and i think that also there's this idea that i i could do good in the world as a cog in this machine that is the scientific community um, or I could step out of it and do more good from it for it from the outside um, and help in a different way. Um, so that's how I sleep at night. But <laughs> <laughs> that's a really interesting dilemma. I wouldn't have put that together, but yeah, you would just be one of those stats. But then you're empowering all these other, you know, young women to follow. Right. So it has to be so. good. Um. <laughs> right. Right. Exactly. Yeah. There's no. <laughs> either either way, you're awesome. No, oh, thanks. So I have to ask, what, how are you using technology? Like what tools and things are essential for you to accomplish two full-time jobs? How do you stay sane? Oh. Do you use technology to do that? Or are you like Shannon, you know, a paper planner person? <laughs> oh man, yeah. Okay, I used to be a paper planner person in like college and high school, and I still have them on a bookshelf um, because I was that good at it. But, <laughs> um, but now, oh man, like I have my experiments on Google Calendar. I have my Stumpbox meetings and phone calls on Google Calendar. So yeah, it's a lot of Google calendars. Um, 
don't know. Uh, Google Calendars. I think that's the thing. I, I started walking. I'm kind of a hybrid. Um, so I'm walking around with like a journal everywhere and every meeting I go to and I take notes on everything, like everything. Because uh, there's just so much information coming at me. And then what I try to do is I use Google Docs um, to kind of corral all of my things into one place so that I can share it with advisors or whoever's collaborating with me on a certain project. Um, and I try to be very organized. Like I think of myself as a very type A person. Everything needs a box. Everything has a label. Everything has a place. Like that is the only way I think this is going to go smoothly. <laughs> so yeah. 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 I believe in that for sure. I believe in the goodness of technology. <laughs> I mean, it sounds I'm like a big notebook fan. So. <laughs> yeah, your your uh, daily notebook sounds a lot like this bullet journal thing that Shannon's I, been I know, doing for a while. Exactly oh, bullet journal. Too, so, uh, yeah, um, there's a link in our show notes to it. There's a YouTube video about how to put them together. It was life changing. Ooh, for me. I still look into that. Have, have you, I also yeah. try Evernote every now and then. Um, <laughs> yeah, 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 they're useful. <laughs> Um, Shannon is semi-committed to it, and I keep trying it and then keep going back to other systems. Right. That's what I am going through. I, I go to it when I'm just like, oh, I need something else in my life. And then I use it, and I forget about it because I just, like, yep. right. word vomited all over it, and then I forgot about it. <laughs> I think the power is in there, though. I think you have to, like, put in the time with Evernote. Like, it's like a good relationship. you got to put in the time. <laughs> and then in the end, it's going to pay out for you in terms of, like, organizing all your stuff. But I haven't quite got there either but i'm more committed than john well i'm sure it's pretty crazy trying to keep everything on track but it, it seems like you're doing a really great job i mean the stim box the kickstarter the website everything's very professional and Ooh. it's just really impressive thank you that's very exciting because i was also sorry okay one other thing in this whole process to me that's been super important and a big lesson and what i want to do for girls is that I've never thought of myself as like a web designer or as someone who uses Photoshop or graphic design, any of that. And then as soon as I was like, it's going to cost me how much to pay someone to do this? Like, <laughs> I was like, I am now a web developer. I am now a Photoshop user. I am these I am all these people. Um, and it felt so good that I was a little braggy about it um, <laughs> for a minute, but... <laughs> I think girls should also be good at bragging now. That's another thing. So a couple lessons in there. Girls should be better at bragging, and we should be good at not paying people to do things if we can do them ourselves. Okay, yeah. I mean, it sounds like you've got a lot going for it, and we're really excited to see where Stimbox goes. And at some point, we'll probably have to have you back on to talk about you know the massive success of your geology Stimbox. <laughs> uh, but, so is there anything else you'd like to add before we wrap up today? Um... No, I think we talked about a lot of stuff. Uh, keep your eye out for some upcoming boxes that might may or I can't really speak to this yet, but confirm it. But they may have sponsorship or partnerships with some really awesome companies out there to get even more stuff in the boxes. Um, but if you want to get in touch, you can check us out on Facebook. Um, just search Stembox, but the URL is Facebook slash MyStemBox. Um, you can get in touch with us on Twitter, at Stembox, Gmail, mystembox at gmail.com. And of course, our website is mystembox at gmail.com. And we're taking pre-orders for the DNA box and the owl pellet box, as well as a lab notebook. Um, and that's just so you're going to individually buy one at a time. 
But it's a great way to test it without having to commit to a full subscription if you're not interested yet or if you're on the fence. Um, so, yeah. And then our hashtag is Stumbox. If you ever take, like, a cool picture with any of the stuff we send to you, just say hashtag Stumbox. Because um, we love to see pictures and hear things. So, yeah. Right. And I think a lot of our listeners will probably be really excited about this. And we'll have all of the information linked in the show notes. So you should go buy one of these because this is a really awesome project and we're excited <laughs> about it. So thanks Absolutely. for joining us. Thank you so much. You guys are a hoot. This is great. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure we will be in touch with your successful, just like John said, the successful geology box we're going to design for you. So. Geodes. <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> yes. It was great talking it's to so you, So good Kina. to meet you guys. Well, that was a lot of fun talking to Kina. I don't know about you, Shannon, but I had an absolute <laughs> blast. I did. That was super awesome. Um, besides being an awesome person and laughing our butts off, um, it really, what she's trying to do is really pointing out a void, you know, and trying to bring and keep, more importantly, uh, women in science. And I think it's actually kind of a good segue into the fun paper that you have for everyone's favorite segment, Fun Paper Friday. Yay. There, we'll switch it up. Uh, <laughs> we normally do that. So, I know. Yeah, this, uh, this paper, it's actually in Nature Climate Change. And I saw a news article on it a few weeks ago. And I will say the title of the paper is awful. But the paper itself is very interesting. Uh, the, it, the title makes it sound a little sexist, though. It was, and I was actually shocked when you brought this to us as the fun paper following this very progressive show that we were doing. <laughs> um, but it's not as bad as it sounds. So it's called Energy Consumption in Buildings and Female Thermal Demand, <laughs> which has to go down, like I said, for the, the worst paper title competition this year especially in nature but (laughs) this paper actually talks about how climate is controlled in office buildings and anybody that's worked in an office building of any size knows that the people in hvac have very very good job security because people are always (laughs) hot or they're always cold or in in the winter people are too hot and they have the their windows open so it gets cold enough or in the summer they're running space heaters under their desk Yes, (laughs) exactly. And I was sort of thinking when I bristled at the title and thought, well, I don't care about this. And then I realized that I'm wearing jeans and a long sleeve shirt in the middle of summer (laughs) in my office right now. (laughs) And this paper explains why that is the case. Yeah. And so it turns out that the model that's used to set office building temperature is based on and you know a middle-aged standard white male and this model was developed in the 60s and that is where the thermal comfort science stands and has been since the 60s so it's time <laughs> to change that a little bit and this paper says that that actually can have implications on being green even exactly and so instead of just saying where does the average middle-aged white guy like the temperature they actually went and measured metabolic rates across you know across the sexes and then also across different races so we can sort of try to get an ideal for your very specific office community and that just like you said you could be green because you're going to save a lot of money because these metabolic rates and what are comfortable temperatures 
they're actually surprisingly different. Yeah, and you know, a few degrees doesn't sound like much. So let's say, based on some of the data in here, maybe males prefer the office at 22 degrees Celsius and females at 25 degrees Celsius. You know, well, three degrees isn't that much. Change your thermostat by three degrees and see how long it takes you to go crazy, though. Uh, exactly, especially when you're already on sort of one comfort end and then you make it three degrees colder what's that going to do? And so obviously the sexual dimorphism part is just has to do with body size. So women are generally smaller than men, and that's immediately where those metabolic differences come into play. Yeah, and that plays a role too of, you know, say you're European or Asian descent that generally has a slightly smaller build than a middle-aged American. And that's going to change too. Your metabolic rate also changes with age, as we all know. Uh, <laughs> as you get older, it slows down. And that means that your temperature preference will vary with age, too. And I, I did enjoy the way that they measured some of these things. So the predicted mean vote of the people in the office, and then PPD, which is percentage people dissatisfied. <laughs> Which seems like it's probably always going to be high, no matter what. <laughs> yes. So really, this wasn't uh, a horribly complex paper, but it was really thought-provoking, and it pointed out some things about heat in a building that I've never thought of. Like, we don't actually have, you know, there's not fast-moving air, so we're not dealing with lots of uh, mm -hmm. convective uh, heat loss. There's not a lot of conductive heat loss unless you plaster yourself to the wall. Exactly. So most yeah. of the things that are happening are radiative. And it says, well, maybe air conditioning the air the way we do with these large air handling systems is really a pretty awful way. And we should just have air conditioned walls. Uh, I thought that was really cool, too. And you think about it, you're sitting in your office and you're like, what if the walls were radiating and it would make such a bigger difference? And that was that was an interesting part that I took from the paper, too, is just changing the way we do it, because these overestimations cost a lot of money, and I was really surprised by the numbers, actually, um, because it says up to, like, 35% overestimation. Yeah. That's that's a lot. That's a lot of energy cost, and when you become an adult and have to pay your own bills, <laughs> that's painful. <laughs> Just today, I was sitting in a defense where we had the windows open, trying to keep the temperature in the room you know, livable for the duration of the defense while the air handling system was running. Uh, but I do not, I've never seen air conditioned walls, but I have seen heated surfaces, like heated ceiling tiles that radiate heat, uh -huh. or even these heaters that radiate and heat all the objects, say on a workbench in a shop that you're working on, and then that mm -hmm. heats the air. They're wonderful, and I don't know why we don't do it for uh, cooling other than, I guess, the air circulation in the room be a little bit harder to set up and maintain. Right, I get yeah, because I mean heated floors are a fairly common thing now. Um, well, if you have a newer house, right. I guess there's a lot of heated floors and heated concrete and everything as well. So, yes, working on the cooling part, um, it was an interesting an interesting idea, and I didn't realize the significance of that. And it, it, building design plays a huge role in this. When you're building a new building, you could put walls that are up against a berm, and you get effectively. A free insulator, <laughs> geothermal, sort of, not that deep, uh, uh, you can save a lot of energy. Uh, exactly. Um, we actually live in a split-level house, so our second or our story 
on the bottom is partially underground and we tell a huge difference in the summer it stays you know 10 degrees cooler without any interference on our part just from that so doing that in a building that's a huge cost savings when you're talking large scale yeah so be sure to check this fun paper out uh ignoring the title it's a really interesting (laughs) work we'll have links in the show notes of course like always and send us any feedback that you have on this uh fun papers that you want or what you'd like to see in a stem box anything like that you can get a hold of us through multiple channels shannon how can they do that you can always email us show at don'tpanicgeocast.com uh leave us an audio comment or otherwise on the web don'tpanicgeocast.com uh also we're on twitter at don'tpanicgeo john is at geo underscore lehman and i am at shannon doolin And until next week, remember, don't panic. It's not an exact science. Any opinions, findings, conclusions, or recommendations expressed are solely ours and do not necessarily reflect the views of our employers or funding agencies.